Hey there, we're the West Slot Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, it's nice to be back, guys. Um, thanks for holding down the fort while I was busy dying from some brutal stomach bug last time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, like I said, great to be back in the saddle. We're, uh, we're getting really, really close to the start of football season. And, you know, I, I know it's a while before the actual kickoff, but I mean, for us, the start of football season is the beginning of our summer previews. And we are just right around the corner from that. I, I tweeted it last night after the NBA ended. Um, not that any of us are huge NBA fans, but, uh, and, and John, I think you made a comment on last week's pod that the next, the next six months are football season and it starts in a matter of what, seven to 14 days. I think my Phil Steele magazine is, is in the mail right now. So we're going to be gearing, gearing this puppy up and, uh, and hit and go. Oh yeah. I've already today. I, I laid the first groundwork. I mean, for those of you who go back with us, any stretch, you know, that, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff where I dig in on defense, Scuzz digs in on offense. We've had all kinds of stuff around and, and I have today, I officially broke ground on this year's stuff and, and I don't want to step on it, but let's just say reviewing Re revisiting some of the classic dumpster fires within the Big Ten is always a joy, and uh, I, I've already my heart is already soaring. And if I'm excited, it, y'all should be getting excited too. So you've already done your Illinois and Rutgers previews, then? Is that... <laughs> I will say you're half right. <laughs> oh well, man, the Il- the Illinois preview. We might have to have some champagne with that preview this year when we do that. Ooh, I like where your head's at. That's awesome. Let's just say I have done my research on a a defense that should be by far the worst defense in the conference, but is not because of two other teams that I haven't done yet. And I'll leave it at that. Oh man! Well, before we step all over our preview, no, go ahead. Well, I was just say it will be a very interesting. I mean, this is the first the first time we'll be doing previews in the post Urban Meyer era. There's all sorts of zaniness at Penn State with transfers and recruits leaving. Um, I don't. Know, it's going to be an interesting one, boys. And just remember, I mean, we'll we'll circle back to this later in the pod. But Scuzz and I talked about it the last time we were on. Yo, you guys should be getting fired up, you know? I mean, you guys know how much work we put into these. We feel that we do it better um, in terms of previewing the Big Ten than anybody else out there, especially that you'll listen to. And it all is focused around Northwestern and comes back to Northwestern. So if you guys like it, tell people about it, you know, because we're proud of it and we want everyone listening. So tonight... um there's a, a lot of news to catch up on, um, some recruiting news, some transfer news. Um, but I, I think the, the biggest piece of news is um, a transfer that didn't happen. Um, that that was, Jim, yeah, that's Jim Phillips not becoming the new commissioner of the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, like, like six to eight weeks ago, we were pretty convinced that that's what was going to happen. Yeah, but like out of the blue, and like this is a really an out of the blue hire. Uh, Kevin Warren, the COO of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, is coming in to be uh, 
the new commissioner of the Big Ten and the first African American commissioner of a Power Five conference. Um, and I, I was I watched his uh, his opening press conference, and you know he really sounds sharp. And like I I I know that's you know real just sort of basic, but I mean he of course he's going to be sharp. Of course he's you know got all sorts of credentials and you know his his background he played some uh college basketball uh he was a, went to law school so you know, obviously he's super super smart but you know, he just seemed really down to earth and like i'm i'm excited to see where he takes this team or the team the, the conference and you know kind of knowing where he came from and sort of the projects that he did with the vikings uh, primarily that new Viking stadium, like he was on the forefront of building that, of getting that stadium built under budget. I am um, my overarching take on Warren and, and we can dig into his, his background a little bit. It's, it's mostly pro centric. Um, he did start a sports entertainment agency. Obviously he, he was representing, um, some players uh, in the early nineties for a few years uh, as they, as they entered professional football. Um, He practiced law. Interestingly worked a bit with uh, former SEC commissioner, Mike Slive um, representing universities that were charged with NCAA violations. That's a really interesting tidbit on his, his resume as it were, but most of his time has been in the NFL. He worked with the St. Louis Rams, the Detroit lions. I spent, you know, 14 years with the Minnesota Vikings as well-documented. My overall takeaway is that whether it's been um, practicing law in these arenas or negotiating rights deals, um, dealing with stadiums like you just mentioned, Sam, uh, he his experience has virtually nothing to do with college athletics, and yet it is extremely, extremely relevant to what the Big Ten commissioner role is is meant to do. And I am ecstatic that the big 10, not anything to do with Phillips. I just like, there are so many times when a type of this kind of, of opening is available and the organization insists on, Oh, we have to hire, we have to hire a a collegiate stalwart, somebody who's been involved with the college game forever. And it's just not true. Find somebody who's got relevant experience and is really, really smart and geared up for the job. I like. I think this is a, a really great hire from that perspective. That the conference didn't box themselves into to having to dip into the athletic director pool uh, of current teams or or something of that nature. So I think that's pretty neat. Um, obviously, you know, like his 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 resume is is spectacular. He comes off as a really uh, smart and and just well thought person. Um, I think it's fantastic that it's the first African American commissioner of any major conference that's that's um it's always good to to start knocking down those first and, and get those out of the way so it can start to become the norm so this i mean to me this kind of is a is a hits hits all the <laughs> hits all the nails on the head well first of all um it's clearly we have to think without being able to see behind the hiring process that Clearly, the hiring process within the Big Ten had to be based around the people who provided over the building of the best football facilities in the Midwest. Um, I guess Viking Stadium on the list, of course, probably number two after the lakefront facility. 
<laughs> I think we're a little biased. But, you know, I kid. But the truth is, and we'll never know behind closed doors, but I'm just you'd have to be a fool to think that Jim Phillips was not either the number one or number two target for this job. And it could be that Warren was the number one target. And obviously he's qualified. You know, it's funny. Um, I can't help but notice, you know, because you listed off Warren's resume. And I think of Mark Murphy, right, who went from Northwestern to become the president of the Packers. And clearly within the Big Ten, there certainly is this relationship that seems to exist at an executive level between Big Ten universities and Midwest football, like in the NFL. I find that kind of interesting that that, that carries weight. And I'm not saying that if there was a successful football executive that that the Big Ten is only looking in the Midwest, but clearly there is a little bit of that crossover there. And the fact that, you know, Warren's ties may be professional, but they clearly run deeply within the NFL in the Midwest. And I found that interesting, but that's, that's a, that's a really fair point. Like, and, and when you think about rights deals and knowing the, the fan base, et cetera, et cetera, like that's, that's probably important. Right. Exactly. And I think, so it's, it's interesting to me and also interesting to me just because I mean, like I said, we'll never know, but did Phillips pass on this job? I mean, for us, now granted, we're a little biased, but I mean, like you ask just about anybody in the country, they'll say there's no better athletic director than Jim Phillips. We know he's really close with Delaney, um, and it's possible, you know, was he offered the job and turned it down? We'll never know. I'm sure he would never admit it, um, and I'm sure he's backing Warren 110%. And so it's a question of, was he number one or did they kind of feel him out and say, look, you know, we're really considering a couple of people. How do you feel about it? And, you know, I'm just really curious about that because I think we're not wrong to think that our athletic director was, you know, if not number one, one of the top at worst three candidates for this job. We're obviously just doing cartwheels with joy that he stayed with us. But I, I just find that interesting, and I, you know, I'd love to know. And, and like I said, we never will. But it's interesting to imagine, you know, the way that Phillips was involved with this. Did they come to him first? Did they feel him out? Did they put out feelers and say, you know, would you be interested? And he just didn't give them the kind of response that maybe other parties gave. Um, it's interesting to see. And then finally, to circle back, well, to what hold, you were, but, but yeah. before you jump off of that, um, the search uh, was led by Northwestern president Morton Shapiro. Right. Uh, so, and, and that, and he, and he worked with the Chicago firm corn Ferry. Um, Shapiro is one of Phillips best friends reportedly. So like, it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't have known going into the process, what Phillips mind was. Um, at the same time, like Phillips acted as Delaney surrogate in like during college football playoff processes and, and a whole bunch of other things. We saw him sitting on the sidelines during the NCAA tournament. I know Sam, I think you talked about how he's on the selection committee or involved in some way. And we were all kind of like, Oh God, this gives us like not great feelings. But um, given Shapiro's involvement, like, like I, I'm to your point, John, I'm sure Phillips was, like, there's no doubt that somebody at some point was like, "Hey, dude, what, what like, wh- what are your thoughts here? Uh, do you want to get into this into this gig, or do you do you want us to, you know, kick the tires on you or not?" And um, I'd like to think that he said, "No, I'm happy where I'm at." Either either way, I think as this process probably kicked off in earnest, there was 
there was very clear understanding of what Philip's position was going into it. And and what's really interesting is, you know, even just hours before the announcement, Teddy Greenstein is tweeting that a source is are telling him that they would be shocked if it wasn't Phillips. So, you know, Warren was kept really, really under wraps. Like, I, I don't even think I saw his name being batted around as part of, like, the presumed inner circle, like, the presumed shortlist. I don't think he was on that. Yeah, so, it's, I mean, you know, it's interesting. Right. What, what it, yeah, whatever they were doing with, as far as the search goes, they kept it really under wraps. And it's kind of rare to see these days. Right. But I mean, to circle back again, it's from our perspective, it's so fantastic that that it's not Jim Phillips and that we still have Jim Phillips. And also, as you both said, Warren comes off as a really impressive guy whose credentials are impeccable. And on top of everything else, I mean, it shouldn't matter, but it does. It's like if it didn't matter that there was an African-American executive at the head of a Power Five conference, it would have happened already. But the reality is, like, that's not the world that we live in. It's the world that we want to live in. It takes things like this happening. Um, and it's, it's awesome that it did happen. So the... It's worth mentioning, too, that um, on a, like... Uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um I can't think of the term I'm looking for, but Warren has been involved in promoting diversity and uh, diverse workplaces and diverse hiring practices and, and diverse culture building, probably most importantly. That's been part of his his deal throughout his professional career. Um, I think that's a good thing for the Big Ten. I, I believe in the need to have different backgrounds and perspectives and uh, and viewpoints. I think that, that makes for a healthier workforce just in any setting um and it's exciting to see you know what appears to be some additional writing on the wall around the big 10 being a leader in that space going forward i have one other comment here and i just have i just have to throw this out there and get your guys takes on it do you guys remember and i forget where this was was it in the world series i think it was the world series morton shapiro was spotted in a luxury box sitting next to a team executive who recently became available for employment in Magic Johnson. <laughs> Was there ever a discussion at any time where, like, Magic called up his buddy Morty, you know, his buddy Morty back from Morty's USC days, and was like, hey, just let you know, uh, I'm available. Got that executive experience, got that Big Ten experience, and Morty was like, that's, I'll get right back to you, buddy. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'll, uh, I'll put a pin in this, but hey, next time I'm at in LA, let's get drinks, okay? Magic's like, well, you're going to call me back, right? Absolutely. For sh next time I'm out in LA, buddy, for sure. I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> Hung up the phone, but yeah. But anyway, hilarious, and, and yeah, the great news that uh, Jim Phillips will continue on. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to mention too, right? If you're Jim Phillips' agent... On one hand, you're like, well, if Morton Shapiro's leading the process and you don't want to take the job, you've got a heck of a lot of leverage. Except Northwestern already treats Jim Phillips fantastically. He's either, what, the top or second most paid athletic director in the country. So we treat Jim Phillips really well, and he treats Northwestern athletes really well. And I think everyone was happy with the arrangement as is. 
Yeah, definitely excited. And like, I, I'm I'm really excited to see you know the transition from Delaney to Warren. So uh, Warren actually starts uh, as I guess he and Delaney are going to be co-commissioners. Um, so there's a going to be a fair amount of overlap, like the entire football season. So Delaney's last day is January 1st. So he's going to go out with the Rose Bowl. Um, and then, but Warren starts at the beginning of football season. So it'll be interesting to see how gradual this change is. Cause I, I get the sense that Warren's not going to be coming in to like make huge waves. Uh, just cause like you're following Delaney, who's been unbelievable for the conference and just has brought in so much money, um, that you're not trying to mess with a winning formula. But, so much money and Rutgers. Well, I mean, <laughs> but with with Rutgers came the New York TV market. And that is why Rutgers is a member of the Big Ten. Everything else be oh. damned, it's the, it's the New York TV market. That mm-hmm. has to be the only reason mm-hmm. that there's... Because when, when you go to New York City and you bring up the Big Ten, all anyone wants to talk about is Rutgers football. Let me tell you. Or I've never heard that happen ever in history. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so let's talk a little bit. Um, we got we got some basketball news uh, to talk about, men's basketball. Um, we got uh, another grad transfer coming in, um, you know, to fill in one of the many, many, many open scholarships uh, that the men's basketball team has. Um, a gentleman by the name of Pat Spencer is transferring from Loyola, Maryland, uh, to Northwestern. The interesting, um, note and about, uh, Pat Spencer is that he is not coming from a basketball program. He was the Tawarton winner, um, at playing lacrosse. Three-time All-American, uh, two-time Tawarton finalist. Won the Tawarton this year, which is basically lacrosse's Heisman Trophy. So he's like one of the best lacrosse players in the country. And he's going to come play basketball for the Cats. Oh, where to even begin with this? Uh, <laughs> I tell you so, what, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, take ahead, the, I'll take the optimistic view and then, um, or, well, I, let's be honest. Our basketball team's not going to be good next year. We've known that for a while. There weren't many like realistic scenarios that would have changed it. Um, at first glance, this appears to be an act of desperation by Northwestern. Um, when you pull back the curtain a little bit, what you see is that Patrick Spencer was interested in pursuing a career in basketball. He did an interview with um, Jeff Gordon to that effect. Uh, he's a grad transfer. He has, he's used up his eligibility for... Um, football, but much like Greg Paulus, who became the, after four years on the Duke basketball team, became the quarterback at Syracuse and decent, I might add. Um, yeah, he didn't suck. Yeah. Uh, Spencer has decided that he wants to spend a fifth year in college and, um, spend that time as, as a, as a D one basketball athlete. Now, what's interesting is that in addition to, doing this interview with Jeff Goodman that kind of raised awareness of this guy on the, on the college landscape, the head coach at Loyola, Maryland is none other than Tavares Hardy. And 
I guess there's some requirements at that level of school that if you're going to be a grad transfer, you have to have um, some sort of, of sponsored, not sponsorship, but there's some sort of like letter writing and recommendations that, that can go into it as well. And Hardy helped support him through that and also provided some, you know, on the ground scouting for Northwestern in this, in this space. So uh, when you add on to that, that Spencer was a decent high school, high school basketball player and has spent a lot of time playing in summer league and in, you know, semi-competitive um, basketball space during his, his college career in which, in which he was an outstanding lacrosse player. Like, you can start to see some threads of like, oh, well, you know, maybe this is, maybe this isn't a, a total desperation move. There are some, um, some diamond in the rough, you know, elements to this that, if nothing else, is going to provide some feel good excitement for the Northwestern basketball team next season. I mean, there, there's no denying his athleticism. Um, you know, you don't become a three time All American and a Twarton, a two time Twarton finalist in the Twarton winner. Without being extraordinarily you know, athletic and you know a lot of skills, it's just how well will, will that transfer? Um, you know, how's his ball handling? How's his jump shot? That we don't know. I to me, this is just I. I mean, to me, as a as a as a basketball player, to me, his ceiling is Johnny Vassar, and I say this as someone who thought Johnny Vassar was a fantastic player coming out of. Um, high school, and then just was unable to to find that way to transition his athleticism into basketball playing time with Northwestern, and that's irrespective of everything else that happened with Johnny Vassar. Um, I don't know this this guy's got like five inches and fifty pounds on Johnny Vassar. Five inches and fifty pounds, but real talk, not the same kind of athleticism as it translates to basketball. I encourage Fair. everyone to go watch Patrick Spencer's lacrosse highlights because. One thing I can't stress enough is Patrick Spencer is not three time. I mean, the easy way to say it, and people have been using this shorthand, but it's 100% accurate. He's not by far the best lacrosse player in the country, which he is, because he's a way better athlete than everybody else. He's by far the best player lacrosse player in the country because he's unflipping believable at lacrosse. And that's athleticism, but it's everything that I'll never understand the magic of just being amazing at lacrosse, just as lacrosse skills are incredible. The other thing is, um, you know, and I think, and it's probably just because we've seen it done at a high level. For me, when I watch it, the sport that seems the most natural crossover from lacrosse is football. And of course, there are a lot of guys who do play both of those sports, if not at the college level, at the high school level. And of course, Chris Hogan, you know, who was what an All-American at Penn State, I think, and then subsequently, you know, became a New England Patriot wide receiver. That seems to be like the clearest transition. Now, it's funny, Northwestern actually does have experience with that basketball to lacrosse crossover in the opposite direction, uh, because when we were in college, the Kester twins. Yep. Uh, crossed over from Northwestern basketball to Northwestern lacrosse. And I don't know if they reached the All-American level, but they were key cogs in national championship lacrosse teams. So it can be done for sure. Um, but I just, the and, and here's the thing, Scuzz, like you said, you kind of, you prefaced this by saying you were going to take the more optimistic route. I'm, I'm not saying my thing is pessimism, only because I think 
I'm so far beyond pessimism with next season for Northwestern basketball that I just kind of put that up on the shelf. Like, everyone needs to understand, one of the reasons he got this is we have multiple scholarships. And not one, not two, but it's what, three or three. four? That are three. That two. Could, right. That two two that are filled. left open. Right. That could be filled with bodies that we have tried to fill and just haven't been filled. Like, People aren't showing up to take those scholarships. Um, and this is on top of where we to fill these. And if you look at some of the guys who, you know, I mean, we have, we had a guy from Cor- Texas A&M Corpus Christi turn us down for a spot. That's kind of where we were in the process. Okay. Um, and these scholarships look like they're not going to be filled in a position that we sorely need them to be filled with bodies, if not top level performers, at least guys, those are not filled. And if they get filled, um, it'll be with grad transfers who had really no other offers to speak of. We have Robbie Barron coming in next year, who is a big time recruit. And he is going to walk into a situation that to call it in flux is severely understating it in the situation where it's not like anyone else in the Big Ten is getting worse. The conference has really upticked since Northwestern went to the tournament. When you roll all that in, this is what I mean. I'm just, we need something to have fun with next year. And the chance to see how the best lacrosse player in the country will transition his basketball skills. I mean, his lacrosse skills into basketball is enjoyable to me. Like, this is a one-off thing. The scholarship wasn't going to be filled. He's going to be gone after a year, so we we lose nothing. At the point we were at, at the time we offered him, we stand to lose nothing by doing this. So, I mean, it's enjoyable. Maybe we'll all be able to look back and be like, hey, remember that year when we had, like, this unbelievable lacrosse player on our basketball team? Um, And so, I mean, that's fun. And and it's good to be able to look at things that are going to be fun because I think we're going to be very much searching for fun come next basketball season. So, um, enjoy this novelty. And like I said, I mean, maybe it becomes something more than that. Maybe he does find playing time. Maybe his ability to run up and down the court, his energy level, his overall athleticism. Maybe he's a great defender, on-ball defender. I mean, it's it's totally possible. But any of that is gravy. Um, the starting point should just be enjoy the novelty of this and enjoy the fun of it um, and the chance to see how this experiment might work out. So also in, in basketball news, um, and, and this is you know, much more on the positive side because, you know, we uh, just got word that um, Joe Bamisil was upgraded from a three-star to a four-star. Uh, he's now ranked, what, 70? Rivals has him 73rd. 73rd yeah, 73rd in the country uh, coming in for next season. Um, and, you know, just, you know, wonderful, wonderful news. Um, you know, how much he's being, you know, talked up and, and uprated. I mean, that that's fantastic. Um, cause next year, 2020, we're going to need him this week. He's competing in the NBA players association, top 100 camp at uh, UVA. And, uh, and yeah, it's a big deal. Um, unfortunately we don't get him this next year. <laughs> we could use it, but, um, yeah, can, can we get him to reclassify? I, I don't know. I, I don't, well, I, I mean, at the same time, like we've said it, uh, quite a lot this spring, like getting highly rated recruits has not been coach Collins's problem. Um, that's actually become 
you know, pretty much the norm. Uh, so I mean, Miller cop and Pete Nance, higher rated. Um, obviously Vic law was very highly rated. We've had a number of other players. It's, it's, it's about the nature of this team and the makeup of this team and, and how they're able to structure, structure themselves next year to address, you know, both the depth issues and then just the, the guard issues that we had last year. And they've, they've got to figure out how to give more playing time to more guys and build depth within the team, even when they don't have the talent that they want or the guys that they want in certain spots. I, I like they, they got their work cut out and um, hopefully when Bamisil comes in, like things are kind of tailor made for him to jump in and, and contribute and make an impact. But hopefully we won't be like desperately awaiting on his arrival either. Right. And I mean, it's like by the time he arrives, Pete Nance is going to be a junior, you know, uh, Miller cop is going to be a junior. So it's like, it's, you know, we all gave Nance a pass and be like, all right, this guy's you know, the biggest recruit in Northwestern history. Um, he really looked kind of lost out there, but he's only a freshman. Well, you know, now and, he, and to... he was hurt and he got mono. Sure. And it's like, now it's time to see that development though. Right. I mean, and, and the, these are the things that, that have been lacking in the past. And Scuzz, you made a lot of great points mid season about how you wish we would have seen certain guys playing more at certain times in the season, especially later in the season. Um, and I mean, next year there's going to be nothing but time for all of these guys. So now it's time to see that kind of development. Um, it's really not going to be about wins and losses next year. There are going to be a bucket load of losses. Um, and you know, Bamisil is going to be part of this wave of guards that, you know, he's going to finally show up. He can play both guard positions. He's got great size and he's a big time player. Um, but you hope that he arrives on a team that has already, you know, at least on the individual level, taken some steps. Um, and to your point, there's not a heck of a lot of precedent for that with the biggest recruits Northwestern has pulled in. So um, let's see it happen. Let's let's see Joe Bamisil arrive in a much better situation than we're looking at right now. So staying on the recruiting train, um, let's turn our attention to the gridiron. Uh, we got some some football recruiting news that uh, just really dropping today or within the past 24 hours, starting with uh, Northwestern getting a commitment from uh, three-star safety Gunnar Maldonado out of Arizona. And then uh, just a couple hours ago, uh, Superback Marshall Lang uh, was at the Northwestern camp and committed an hour after being offered a scholarship. So um, there's a guy who wanted to come to Northwestern really badly. But uh, Lang unrated as of now, but Maldonado was part of that great big recruiting weekend a couple weeks back, wasn't he? Absolutely. And he's the big thing we talked about to him. This is. To this point, Drake Anderson's biggest contribution to the Northwestern football team. Hey, come uh, on now. Come on easy, now. Easy, easy. To this point, I'm saying, Drake's got a lot of good football in front of him. Um, but Drake Anderson was involved in, in heavily involved in the recruiting of Gunnar Maldonado. They played, um, they played football together at Chandler High School in Chandler, Arizona. Um, Maldonado is a significantly higher level recruit than Anderson was. Um, but obviously we had the connection with Anderson and again, Anderson, I, I, you know, I'm not throwing shade at Anderson. I'm just, he's the guy who was only a freshman last year. Um, he, but he was very involved because to your point about this monster recruiting weekend, um, Anderson was really involved. I mean, he went to Wrigley field with Maldonado. They did a bunch of stuff. They're clearly really good friends. Um, and, 
you know, obviously Maldonado made his own decision and loves Northwestern, but I mean, you know, I think having Anderson was vital to having that in with him. He is not a four-star recruit, but he's a high three-star recruit. And the amount of times, you know, Northwestern has gone into a state like Arizona and beaten Arizona and Arizona State for a guy in that state is those those moments are few and far between. So this guy's a big time safety, um, and we went into a warm weather state and beat his home state schools for him. So um, that's that's a big deal, and it's a big um, it's emblematic of the uptick in our recruiting. Did we talk about Sean McLaughlin on our last podcast? Oh, Did he sure. committed yet? No, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think so. So, so Sean McLaughlin, another guy who was on that great big weekend a couple weekends ago, uh, defensive end at, from uh, Lincoln Way. Lincoln Way East. Way East. Devin High School. Yep, yep. So, like, a little bit of a pipeline forming there. Um most exciting to me, though, is the tweet that uh, Tara Edwards shot out after McLaughlin's commitment, like basically retweeting that and saying uh, and, and calling out Isaiah Rakes and saying, come on, buddy, we're just waiting on you now, uh, which is pretty awesome. Um, this this would be a, a pretty sweet trio of defensive linemen. We talked a lot about Edwards and um, Rakes uh, on our last podcast and how those guys – you know, really seemed to, to hit it off uh, on the Northwestern recruiting weekend. Penn State is the other big, big name in the mix for Rakes. That's who Edwards picked Northwestern over. So, um, fingers crossed, because uh, that would be one hell of a defensive, uh, defensive line group to bring in in one class. Absolutely. Um, and Lang, um, interestingly enough, I mean, I was watching film on him. It's funny. Lang's commitment was posted maybe an hour before we, we started this podcast. Um, and so I was watching his tape and I mean, he's an unrated recruit. Um, you know, rivals doesn't have him rated. He did not have any power five offers. He had a lot of Mac offers and, you know, some FCS Ivy league level offers and Northwestern certainly pulled in a fair share of guys like that. It was known that I think because of Cam Green, Northwestern was exploring, you know, Cam Green's retirement, Northwestern was exploring the possibility of putting out another Superback scholarship. Lang is interesting to me because if you watch his high, I mean, he's listed at 6'4", 230. And, you know, I look at that and I'm like, on the tape, he looks like 6'4", 230, dripping wet. I mean, he, he looks <laughs> like, I mean, he looks like Ben Skoranek. I mean, he looks like a wide receiver, a, a big bodied wide receiver who played split out um, all the time. And the offense that he played in is a, is a spread offense, and he's in the slot um, as many times as he's not, if not more. So obviously, I mean, he's being recruited as a super back. I'm sure they're going to bulk him up. But it is interesting to see a guy who clearly has, like, real flex potential. Like, he's a definitely from the pass catching, a Trey Pugh, for sure, mold of guy. And guys like that are really interesting because if you look at a guy who, you know, he's camping as a super back, um, he's being offered as a super back, but he's really playing as kind of like a hybrid wide receiver. Those kind of guys can have like a skill set that could get lost. You know, if he's, if, 
you know, he's at camp and a lot of people are looking at him and being like, well, you know, you're kind of underweight for the position. Another schooler like a Northwestern might be looking at you and saying, well, you know, if we look at you as a as a pass catching super back or a big body wide receiver, we see potential that a lot of other people aren't seeing. So I'm really curious to see, you know, where he'll find his role, because what you see on tape is really kind of like a big bodied pass catching wide receiver. And so you, there's. It's it's a really intriguing one. And yeah, he's not heralded, but uh I'll be really curious to see what we do with him. Well, I'll be interested to see where he where he ends up once uh once Rivals has a chance to rate him. He's coming from St. Xavier uh high school in Cincinnati. Make no mistake, he is playing big he's playing big time high school football in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um the same space that Jeremy Larkin, Cam Porter, um, you think about all those tight ends that uh, Brian Kelly's recruited to Notre Dame over the years. Austin King the, went to St. Xavier. Yeah, the, the the Catholic schools in Cincinnati are um, are big time on this front, and uh, I'll, I'll be really interested to see where he ends up once once there's been some time for him to uh, to show up in some of the ratings. I mean, right now he's got he's got a, a a laundry list of of offers um all of them are are pretty small schools but there's been some interest across the big 10 um ohio state michigan state purdue are listed here as at least at least somehow being involved with him um and maybe that's just him him saying like yeah i'd be interested in in checking those places out but pretty much every uh mid-major school in the country um was interested in this kid so uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what, what he looks like, you know, in, in three months as Rivals is updating its stuff. Speaking of Rivals updating their stuff, yeah. Abdur Rahman Yassin, wide receiver commit for Northwestern, now Northwestern's highest rated commit in the 2020 class. Um, he got reclassified by, by Rivals. He's, a, he's listed as a four-star receiver. When was the last time we got a four-star receiver out of high school? I can't, I, I can't think of it. Yeah, I mean the the closest we came was the guy that committed and then decommitted and went to Wisconsin, right? A yeah. couple years back. Um, it's this is a really big deal. He's I mean, we've had we've had Kyle Prater, Miles Schuler may have been a four star or borderline. Um, I believe Javon Witherspoon from the Wayback Machine was was on that borderline as well. But those guys were all transfers. We've never, I don't think we've ever pulled in a true four star receiver. Um, this is this is huge. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things where it it's had me going back and looking at his highlights and he, he's awesome. <laughs> he's I think I I certainly see a lot of Tony Jones in him, but his ability to cut and run routes is is on another level. I mean, I'm not to throw Jones was awesome at it too, but I'm seeing I see a lot of Tony Jones here and I see something else too. Um He's he looks like a four star receiver on tape, and it's now all of a sudden you've got two four star receivers in this class and a lot of high threes. I mean, this is this is shaping up to be the class that we you know we really thought that it had a chance to be. I, I think you just four star players, not receivers, right? Yeah, uh, Skaronsky's the other right. I mean, star. I mean yeah. four star four star players, right? But uh, yeah, Skaronsky. Although you know, I think if that guy says he wants to play wide receiver, no one's going to say. I don't want to super back. I don't want to tell that guy, tell um, that guy no. Uh, it's worth mentioning, and we we probably talked a little bit about this back when he committed, but um, if we didn't, Iowa, Iowa State, Louisville, Maryland, Minnesota, Nebraska, Purdue. 
you know, he doesn't have any big boys with that have offered him yet, but, um, you know, this is Northwestern beating out all those, all those teams for a guy like this. Now that he's four stars, he's in the state of Michigan. He's what a top, a top 10 player in the state of Michigan. We'll see if Michigan, Michigan state sniff around, see, see if, you know, they try to do something here, but, um, yeah, this is, this is massive for the cats. And frankly, like, as as frustrated as we've been with Northwestern's offense and the passing offense, and like we've seen what Clayton Thorson has done, you know Mick McCall still does crazy things that none of us understand. But we've also seen Austin Carr go to the NFL, and um, we've seen two and a half quarterbacks, given that Thorson hasn't played yet, <laughs> get some get some run in the NFL. Kafka has become an offensive coordinator. Like there there are some seeds here that you know a big time receiver isn't going to look at Northwestern if they don't feel like they, they're going to get an opportunity to perform. I mean, this is why, you know, big time receivers with the exception of Calvin Johnson, don't go to Georgia tech because they don't throw the ball and getting, you know, a guy of this, of this kind of pedigree interested in Northwestern, that, that says something about where we're going in the future. And may, maybe it's Hunter Johnson related. I don't know, but it's damn exciting. Yeah. The, and the other thing I'd add, you know, to your point is, Josh Prieve is a top 15 player in the state of Michigan. And, um, and now Abdurrahman Yassin is the number eight player in the state of Michigan. And those are both Northwestern commits. So you're not talking about players who are just happen to be from Michigan. You're talking about guys who now, again, um, Roman Yassin does not as of right now have Michigan and Michigan state offers, but I think, you know, They'd offer him right now. He, I think Northwestern's got his hooks into him. I'll be really curious to see if he picks up any offers, even though he's committed. But you're still, the point is, we know pre-bet offers from all those schools. And the idea that Northwestern is going into Michigan and beating, you know, the, the big schools for these players. And not players who were kind of overlooked, but players who are wanted by those schools is a really big deal. Um, and again, just the idea that sometimes, you know, that Roman Yassin could be doing big things for Northwestern. And then like people in Michigan are going, wait a minute, how did he end up at Northwest? You know, how did he end up at Northwestern? I mean, that's exactly the kind of conversations we want to be in. Yeah. Very, very exciting. And like, just even, even talking about recruiting and talking and like looking at the football highlights and, just kind of getting your getting our minds in the football mode just makes me so happy. Um, I, oh, I want I want to mention one thing too. I mentioned the top fifteen players in the state of Michigan. Rivals number sixteen player in the state of Michigan is Cameron Martinez, who was at that recruiting visit with all of these other guys and had an awesome time. So put a, put a pin in that name too. Uh, this this big recruiting visit, you know this becoming legendary recruiting visit is going to continue bearing fruit. <laughs> hey, there's one other random thing I just wanted to throw out on the, on the um, recruiting front. And that's um, some interesting that popped up on Twitter this week. We got tagged in a post from what appears to be a new website um, inside the team.com. And we haven't we haven't spoken with these with these uh, folks other than just trading some some tweets and and kind of retweeting some of the stuff they're doing because it's pretty interesting. But uh, the the deal is that these are former college athletes that have put together a website and have started interviewing 
they say they've got interviews with I think over seventy five current college football players on on different teams, and they're putting together ratings on the coaches in college football. Um, the six scores that that get pulled together: integrity, uh, player coach relationship, football knowledge, recruiting honesty, fair slash consistent, and leadership. And uh, based on player comments, are giving coaches. Uh, zero to five stars in each of these buckets and then giving them an overall rating. And their purpose is to bring some transparency and some objective. Well, I guess maybe not objective, but um, some, you know, in insider knowledge and, and make that available for recruits and family members um, of players who are considering putting their, their uh, college careers in the hands of, of various coaches at various schools. Um, Part of the reason I bring it up, they they tagged us in a post about Pat Fitzgerald, who has uh, sterling ratings, um, pretty much across the board, which which is exciting to see and not unexpected, but a, a pretty interesting thing. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It, it's it's very intriguing. There's not a ton of data on there yet, but they're actively. You can see, like, if you go to their Twitter feed, you can see they're actively reaching out to players all over the place and trying to drum up um, knowledge and interest. So uh, I I think it's pretty interesting. I think it's you know we've we've always been very um i'll say pro player in our in our perspectives on this podcast and this is kind of right in the line with the sort of stuff that we think college football needs and plus another thing that i i really appreciate about this site is like their commitment to anonymity from yeah. from yeah, the yeah, players yeah. like you know i i could absolutely see players not wanting to to badmouth their coaches, you know, and, and be known about it. Like no one wants to throw someone under the bus, but I, I think with, with this guaranteed anonymity that could make people a little more comfortable, like saying what they really feel, you know, it's, it's not going to get traced back to you. Um, you know, does that open the door for, you know, dirty laundry to be aired and maybe un, you know, in, in a in a sense, it's not fair to the coaches. Yeah, but I, I have a funny feeling that that um, like these guys are going to weed through that. Like you, you should be able to to see when something like that is happening. So um, it, it'll be cool to see how this develops. I, I'll I'll also add that um, really stings the nostrils that Dabo Sweeney has a perfect five star rating across everything. <laughs> Um, there's only one comment in there, so I'm, I'm so I'm hoping that this is just one player and that the the firestorm is is coming. But um, I also will begrudgingly accept that he's he's built a pretty good culture there at Clemson. I bet his players really like playing for him. So um, c'est, c'est la vie. I can I can dream. Well, that uh, I think that's about it for for this week. Um, again, you know, stay tuned. Our our, our season previews are going to be uh, dropping here pretty soon. As we get started with the, you know, the, the teams Northwestern doesn't play in the Big Ten, and then going into our non-conference schedule, kind of week by week, uh, Stanford, UCLA, and then on into the Big Ten season with a little trip uh, in from UMass uh, coming up later. But um, yeah, football season is fast approaching. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, you know, make sure you're subscribing to the feed so you're getting the latest uh latest downloads um you know i i know our our previews have always been 
some of our most popular podcasts, uh, popular episodes. So, um, like, like we've said earlier, uh, tell a friend, you know, you, you love Northwestern sports. Um, I'm sure you know people who do as well. You know, let them know, let them know what we're doing and, you know, to, to tune in and see how we're breaking down the rest of the conference and, uh, the teams that Northwestern plays. Absolutely. Again, like we said, I mean, we, we, you know, we don't want to break our arms patting ourselves on the back, but we put a lot of work into these and uh, we think we do a pretty good job. And, you know, we think that you guys think we do a pretty good job too. So yeah, tell some people about it, spread the word. Um, uh, we, we love seeing that new crop of, of new listeners and fans of the pod kind of come in every summer and see what we've got and then, and then come with us on the journey through football season. So it's, it's great. We love it. And if you like what you're listening to, um, do us a favor and just give us a quick rating on iTunes. You know, shoot us a five star rating, leave a comment that helps people, uh, see us that, that helps us grow even more and kind of get the, get the good word out to everyone. So, um, we'd sure appreciate that. Um, thank you to everyone who has been listening so far. And, you know, we're definitely looking forward to getting into the season. And we'll go ahead and leave it there for this week. Uh, head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter, at Pirates. You can email the show, westlotpirates, at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field playing the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scousby and Sam Walter, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.